the most part, we are all just people trying to live our best lives. And so if that means you sit down next to somebody at the festival and you strike up a conversation, chances are it's going to be a perfectly fine conversation. Who knows where that's going to take you? Welcome to the new Nomad Podcast, hosted by Alan and Andrew of Insured Nomads. Join us as Alan and Andrew interview and explore the community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Tune in to incredible discussions with thought leaders each week that will help you take full advantage of the cross-border remote work lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to the new Nomad Podcast. Today, our guest today is Joanna Haugen. Really interesting, a writer, somebody who talks about sustainable tourism, has a platform called Rooted, which I think will be really interesting to talk about. But before we explore there, we'd love to bring in Andrew Jernigan, my co-host. And Andrew and I were having a conversation today coming off of weekend past about sustainable health and a lot of the issues with exercise, nutrition, et cetera. And we know many of you in our audience, that's a very important item. We also know that there's a lot of pressures that don't give people the, quite the same opportunity to work out or whatever they might need. And we really want to help out with some ideas there. Andrew, how are you and how are you feeling today? Hi there. Feeling great. I have already had my workout or at least one of them for the day and no, I didn't have to leave the house for it. So I see my pitcher of water at my side and that realization that many times when we go from country to country, we get settled in a new environment. Sometimes our intentionality with taking care of our health slips by the wayside. So having that glass of water with you getting on the floor and doing some sit-ups or getting out. What are your thoughts on that, Alan? You've hit dozens of countries. You've lived this remote lifestyle for quite a few years now. When I say those things, what ideas come to mind? Well, you know, the thing that I think is very important is when I travel and I have business travel particularly, want to always build some time to get some exercise in. Even if that exercise is just walking around a city and getting your 7,500, 10,000 steps in, et cetera, but also about eating good food, typically non-processed food. And for instance, when I was uh, in Ukraine many years back, I went to visit an international school and the gentleman had had Crohn's disease in the United States. And he said, when he transferred to Ukraine because of the natural foods, he believes he never had an issue for the two years he had been there. And it really made me start to think about the type of foods you eat. And he also said, you know, you buy a loaf of bread, two or three days later, there's mold on it. That's actually a good thing. Throw it out, but it means it's fresh. It was a real eye-opener to me on processed foods. And for many of us who've seen a couple of the TV shows that talk about some of the American foods, that thing, Andrew, that the gentleman put the cheeseburger behind the bookcase, came back a year later, and it looked exactly... That's not what we want to do. We want to explore. You want to eat good food. Yes. I think that our guest today, actually, will be able to speak into that, even though this may catch her by surprise, because there are a few other topics that she is passionate about. But I think that if we bring her in... Will be able to touch on this as well because this is something that she's done across many different countries. So, Alan, I'm encouraged by who you have on the show today. Well, let's bring Joanna in. And first off, Joanna, before too much detail, why don't you provide us a little background of? I understand you've just moved to Tunisia from Ukraine, and would love to hear about your transition, about yourself first. But the transition is really interesting because so many people who listen to this podcast, it's about transitioning from one location to another, and really an interesting story. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. Alan and Andrew. Um, I am what I guess I would consider a long-term expat. 
I am American and most recently actually just moved from Kyiv, Ukraine, where you were just referring to Alan, to Cartage, Tunisia, which is where I am calling in from today. I've been here for about a week and a half. And prior to that in Ukraine, I was there for five years. And before that, I was living in the United States, but have also lived in Kenya and a previous life when I was a Peace Corps volunteer. And as you noted, I am working in the tourism space. I'm a writer, a speaker, a consultant. And one of the things that I think is most important is I am a solutions advocate. Obviously, our world faces a lot of challenges right now. And I actually am an optimist at heart. I have a lot of hope for our future. I'm a realist, but I also believe that all of these challenges do have great solutions. And I appreciate being a long-term expat with this lens to look at the world in a very different way outside of Western media and on the ground in the places that I have called home, which have so far been low and mid-income economies, which I feel have given me kind of a different perspective of the challenges that people in our world face, the privilege that I bring to that perspective and a greater understanding and appreciation for this world that we live in. So I am now calling Tunisia home. I'm very excited to be here. It's very hot. It's like 44 degrees Celsius and 60% humidity today. So for those of you in the United States, we're talking about 115 degrees, but it's a good change. And I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to share more of that journey with you today. It's interesting because we've had many folks on the podcast and of course they talk about the locations they've gone to. So we've had a lot of people in Portugal, Costa Rica, Mexico, Estonia. Tell our audience a little bit what first attracted you to Ukraine and now to Tunisia because, you know, as people, a lot of the conversations on our podcast of areas that people want to explore. What drew you to those locations and your experiences there that would lead people to say, yeah, I want to be a remote worker, digital nomad, location independent person in Ukraine or Tunisia? That's a great question. So actually, my partner works for the international school system. So he happens to work in those schools where, for example, other expats are sending their kids, folks who are working at the embassies and the NGOs and things like that. I'm very fortunate in that I've owned my own business for over a decade now, and I can work from anywhere in the world. You know, it's a a collective choice to move to Ukraine and then to move to Tunisia. In regard to Ukraine, actually, he received job offers from several places and we had our choice of places to move to. We were very excited about Ukraine for a couple of reasons. One is that in the United States, we had been host parents for high school foreign exchange students. And these were students who came and lived with us anywhere from five to 10 months. And all of them happened to be European. And so we were excited to move to a place where we could be a little bit closer to them as they were finishing their high school years and starting their journey as young adults in their 20s. And so we did see all of our kids um, while we were living in Ukraine. I was also very excited to move to Ukraine after the Maidan revolution, which happened right before we moved there. It was a very exciting time to be in the country. And I know I'm sure a lot of nomads, independent workers hear from their friends and family back home. Do you want to move there? It's very unsafe. It's an unstable situation. Living in a place that had just gone through this huge revolution and was shedding its old skin and coming into its own as a creative, young, independent country, quite frankly, was a really exciting time to be there. We watched the city grow. We watched a huge 
huge entrepreneurial like spirit take over the capital city for sure and start to move out to other cities in the country while we are there. And it is a really exciting time for startups and young independent workers. Internet connection is great. It's easy to get around. It's inexpensive compared to Western European countries. I like to say it's the best of Western Europe at Eastern European prices. And so it really did prove to be that. Amazing street art, great cafe culture, incredible culture, dance and theater and things like this at a fraction of the price. You know, it's not Prague yet. And it was so exciting to be on the cusp of that. And that definitely played into part of the reason why we wanted to go there. We could see that coming out of the revolution. And then moving to Tunisia, we had lived there for five years. We lived in a high rise, one bedroom apartment throughout COVID, which was very hard, especially with the long winters and things like this. And my partner was ready for a new job. And so it was a natural time for us to move on. We did look at a few places to move to for this new position and we had some options and we were really excited about Tunisia because everybody we know who has been here has really enjoyed the culture. We were interested to live in an Arabic nation. We haven't done that before and that's a culture that I'm interested in exploring a little bit. It was a new, fresh kind of cultural environment, geographical environment, and, and it was just a completely a new and fresh start. Here we have a home, we have space, we have air, and we needed all those things coming out of one bedroom apartment. So that's how we ended up in Tunisia. And it just so happens that you may have heard we're currently going through a bit of a political situation here right now, which again, the Western media has kind of framed as a coup. But quite frankly, there is kind of that new energy again. People here are very excited about starting over and trying to do it right. And they held a vaccine campaign yesterday that actually worked and people are very excited about what that might mean for our future. So we're kind of on the cusp of something new again here. And, and that's a very exciting time to be living here. Well, political unrest in a couple of places in your life. So you know what it's like to live on the edge. And I think that's part of you now, right? You like that adventure, the new flavor of Nomad, whether it was Silk Road long ago or Sahara. Now it is the expat, the location independent, and those that are going for different long-term two, three-year job assignments. It's great when you're part of a community, especially like the international school system, to where you do have that camaraderie there, but then there are others that are kind of loosely flowing, trying to find their place in the town. I imagine on some of your assignments, those aspects to where you've found those that were trying to get in. They didn't have kids in the international school, but they're still trying to find the international citizen. What would you say is your number one recommendation for someone who's living this lifestyle but needs to find community? I think one of the great things about the internet has been global communities that have been set up with little regional or local hubs. So over the past year and a half in particular, I have explored more of these kinds of communities because we've all been online. And I've really appreciated, for example, the She's Wonderful community, which is women travelers, and they're all over the world. Impact Travel Alliance has little regional chapters. I really love Creative Mornings because those are people who work in some sort of 
of creative or innovative space in all kinds of industries. And there are chapters like that all over the world. I think we are all very fortunate to have these resources at our fingertips to find global organizations, if you will, that have these little local chapters. And in those spaces, you are meeting local people and other travelers and other expats. I'm a big believer in breaking out of whatever mold might have brought you to where you are. So if you're a backpacker, it's very easy to stay in the hostel and just hang out with backpackers. Or in the international school system, it's very easy to just hang out with the other trailing spouses and the teachers. If you are with one of the embassies, they plan great events, but you have to make the effort to break out. So, you know, I try to take advantage of those online communities that have local organizations, but yeah, go to a yoga class, go to a beer festival, a food festival, a music festival, and don't be afraid to say hi or ask for help or anything like that. I mean, people, I believe, are at their heart good people. They're not out to judge you or make you feel bad or hurt you or anything like that. And, and I guess sometimes that can be a little naive, but I have to go through the world believing that for the most part, we are all just people trying to live our best lives. And so if that means you sit down next to somebody at the festival and you strike up a conversation, chances are it's going to be a perfectly fine conversation. Who knows where that's going to take you? It's something that we've talked about in this podcast is we think it's really important to assume positive intent. There is positive intent out there 98% of the time. It's going to be a great experience, et cetera. And really putting yourself out there. I mean, so much so that I shared with Andrew in one of the earlier podcasts, how when I travel overseas and I've gotten haircuts in Kosovo, in Jordan, because I try to go to a local barbershop and they're amazed to see somebody there. And, and of course, as the years go on and the hair gets thinner, I have to wait longer and longer between those wonderful episodes, but it's still a wonderful thing to sit down with people locally. But I also thought something that you you did that was really amazing. In your background, you've done volunteering. And I noticed something that was really interesting was part of your volunteering was the election observation and getting involved in groups that volunteer. And I think that might be a great way. And love your conversation on volunteering and some of the different ways that you've gotten involved there because election observers sounded really interesting when I saw that in your background. Yes, I do have mixed feelings about volunteerism. I am very hesitant to promote or endorse anything that's like a sign up to do volunteer work in a country. There are a lot of problems with those kinds of things. And I actually, when it comes to volunteerism kind of things, I actually have a much bigger supporter of, for example, just participating in a trail restoration project that local communities already working on. Or if there's a local group that's picking up garbage on the beach, lend a hand, participate there. I think with volunteering, we need to be really mindful about a white saviorism complex. And it's not our job as people who do not belong to the community, even if we live there for a long time, to impose our values and belief system and all these things on communities. We want our state not to do harm. All that said, yes, I am an international election observer. It's actually something that at least Americans, and I don't know how this works for other countries, you can go through the training online and become an election observer through OSCE. That's actually something you can do and you can apply to be an election observer through OSCE in a lot of countries. I am 
certified that way, but I actually have done all my observations through other organizations. I participated in the elections in Ukraine when they happened a few years ago. There were a few rounds and I participated in all of those rounds. I volunteered with, I believe it's called the Ukrainian American Association. And there are so many organizations like this that have ties in the countries where people are staying. There are so many organizations like this in all these countries and communities that we're staying in. Being an election observer was a really fascinating fascinating way to get a up-close look at a very specific part of the place that I was in. And so you go through a training, you learn what it means to be an election observer, how to be an observer, not part of the story. And then I went out with a partner in both occasions. There are certain forms you fill out so that everything is official. And essentially it's observing, but it's also talking with the folks that are there, just making sure that they felt safe, making sure that nothing felt unusual, making note of all those things, and then essentially being part of the democratic process, which is in a lot of the world, it's a big and major issue what a safe and fair election looks like. And not only did it provide me with a different perspective of my home country of Ukraine at that time, but it also got me more interested as the election in the United States, as those results started coming out and all the things that were going on there. I remember thinking to myself, well, if it was just a paper ballot, people would know what it said. Like, that's the way we were doing it in Ukraine. So that was really interesting. My parents observed the election in the United States as American citizens. So we had a lot of conversations about that. And I think this is a great way for anybody who's a long-term expat or anybody who's just traveling and able to travel to different countries at a moment's notice to be more involved in the places that they're staying and to learn more about those back end things that we might not think about so much when we're just passing through a place. It was a great volunteer experience. I am really glad I did it. And I look forward to doing more of that. This is what gets me excited about this podcast is conversations like this. And you as a writer, you understand the power of a story and the story you just told there, I think is going to illustrate for people different ways to get involved. I'd love it on your podcast, on your solutions based platform, not podcast. It really talks about story storytelling and, and tying together as a writer is one of the things that are most exciting to you is when you pick up these different stories from other folks or yourself. And certainly I think people understand things a lot better. So I would love your, you know, we don't have many writers on this show. We have a lot of people that are actively traveling. Would love your commentary about how people can share with others. Also the wonderful stories that they pick up, whether they're writing it or they're on a podcast like us, because some of us can't write and other ways of getting that message out. Cause what you discussed right there, I thought was a wonderful story that really illustrated point for me. Yeah, I think one of the things that's most important is this idea of slowing down and slow traveling. I do think that's one of the values of being a digital nomad or location independent. You can slow down so you're not just speeding through hopping from one flight to the other. And I think that's a really important part of finding those stories, hearing those stories, and learning to share those stories with other people. One thing I think is really important to underscore is there is this tendency to say that we should give a voice to the voiceless. And I think it's really important to underscore the fact that nobody is voiceless. Everybody has a voice, but a lot of people have been silenced over the years. They have been marginalized, oppressed, and 
not given the space or time or platform to share stories. And so one thing that is very important to me in the work that I do as a tourism consultant and a writer is to ensure that I'm very aware of any power dynamics when I enter a situation where there might be an opportunity to share a story. I think of myself as a conduit through which a story travels. It is not my story. What I can do is understand and appreciate my position of power, my position of privilege. I speak a language that gives me access. I have a certain amount of privilege that allows me to participate in activities that other people might not be able to do. And all of those things I carry with me when I travel and I respect them and I'm very grateful for them. So when I do slow down and I am able to devote the time and attention to a story that deserves to be heard and there are so many that deserve to be heard, I listen and I check in with whoever the storyteller is. Tell me more. Tell me about what surprised you about this. I want to understand. I want to learn. And it's not always about sharing that story with other people. I'm getting something out of that too. And I am very appreciative of that. If I am able to use my platform in some way to give this person a chance to amplify and elevate that story, that's a bonus. And I appreciate having the gift to share that with the world, but it is not my story. And we need to be really careful, again, understanding our position of privilege and power and visitors in the places where we live and go, even if we're there for a long period of time, we don't know the deep, deep stuff. And we need to respect where those stories are coming from. So one piece of advice I would say to anybody who's interested in learning about the stories and learning how to tell the stories is first, make the time to listen and give that story the full attention it deserves and the person who is telling it. And recognize that that person is not there for you to get clicks that person is not there for you to take a great video. The person is a person and make a connection, have a relationship. And then if it's appropriate, use your platform and your voice to help amplify their story and their voice. Well, that's a good place to share with us the most overlooked person, place, experience, something you feel like people should know about from your experiences around the world. It's a question we ask everybody. I'd love to hear your take on that question. So something I think that is overlooked is the power of a long distance hike or a long distance walk. Because when we talk about slowing down, a lot of people think about that staying in one place for a long period of time. And that's part of that. I love taking long distance hikes because what I think that does is that it has a low carbon footprint. It allows you to spread your financial resources over a large geographical area of a single location. Once you start walking and interacting with people on the trails, people in these mountain huts or wherever you might be, that you start to have those very local authentic experiences. And so I am a big believer and I am a big supporter of anybody who's willing to put on their hiking boots and go for five days, four or five weeks and just start walking and see where it takes you. Fantastic. It's interesting. I'm reading a book of people that walk the Appalachian Trail, how that changes their, their whole outlook on life. So it's a great call out. So Joanne, as people want to learn more about you and Rooted, uh, please share with us how they could find you and maybe just a quick conversation on what is rooted for the audience. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at rootedstorytelling.com. Rooted is a solutions platform at the intersection of sustainable tourism, social impact, and storytelling. And in this space, I am essentially a tourism consultant. I lead trainings and I publish a lot of content to help people learn how to decolonize their travel experiences and support sustainable development using storytelling. And so it's a very active site. I have a new newsletter. I publish content every week. So I'd love for you to join me at rootedstorytelling.com. You can also find Rooted Storytelling on Instagram. And then I am on LinkedIn. You can find me at Joanna Haugen. I'm also on Twitter at Joanna underscore Haugen. Fantastic. Well, we really appreciate you joining us today from Tunisia and certainly in a period of transition because you haven't been there for very long. We hope to circle back and see how things go in Tunisia because we've heard great things from folks that have traveled and this was a new spot to add to the map. So with that, I'll bring Andrew back in. Andrew, as we always tie things together, discuss what we learned today. I'll let you go first, and then I'll pick up the baton. Well, two things that I heard that really struck me was the process of becoming an election observer. I wish I had known about that sooner. As I've lived in different countries during the elections, I think that would have really helped me to get more involved. And I was really involved with locals everywhere we've lived, but still, I'm going to put a link in the show notes or not me, I'm providing it to the guy who's putting all this together to make it sound good. I won't take the credit. There's somebody else behind this besides Alan and I and Joanna. So that's one thing. The second was the long distance hikes. I was reminded of the Julian Trail uh, through the Julian Alps in Slovenia that I would really like to do. That's a circular trail. Hearing her even reminded me, okay, I've biked a trail along the river here, but I, I would like to even walk it. It would be a long walk compared to biking. But those are the two things that I want to make actionable. And actually, I want to listen to this again once it goes live because she dropped some nuggets. So this has been good. Back to the power of the long walk or kind of just slowing down and not rushing through a location. It's so important. It's one of the things that really frustrates me is that we've gone to places over the years and let's say a whole group gets brought together in a particular country. We have meetings, maybe a couple unique dinners, and then everybody runs back to the plane. And I was always the one who's like, let's stay a couple more days. Even if we just wake up and have coffee and walk around and take in what's happening in the local community. So fantastic call out there. And like I said, I'm going to be very excited to check back with Joanna because I really enjoyed my two weeks in Ukraine back in the day, but Tunisia is a really exciting departure. So we'll pick up on that. So I want to remind our audience that the new Nomad's not just a podcast. It's a community of people, ideas, and spirit helping you take advantage of the location independent lifestyle. We hope you travel well, and we look forward to hearing from you next week. Travel well and stay safe. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the New Nomad Podcast, where we bring together an incredible community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. For more amazing tips to help you take advantage of the cross-border lifestyle, please visit us at insurednomads.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.